So we are in an Advent series here. Advent is a, a fancy word for coming or arrival. It's sort of a more traditional word to talk about Christmas time in December. And the reason we talk about Advent or coming or arrival is because we're looking back to the time when God became Emmanuel to us, when God, his very own presence and glory, took up residence in a human body and made his home here on the earth. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been not only looking back to when Jesus came, we're not only looking back to a nice story or a nice tale from a long time ago, but we are actually reading these stories so that we can begin to welcome God's arrival in our midst here today. I don't know about you, but I could use an encounter with God in my life. I could use a fresh move of the Spirit in my life. I could use a new encounter with the Son of God in my life. And so what we've been doing in this Advent series the last couple of weeks is we've been entering into the story. That Emmanuel is not just God with them. He's not just God with Joseph. He's not just God with Mary. He's not just God with the wise men and the shepherds. He's God with Joey Jurgen. He's God with you. He's God with City Alive. He's God with this city. That's what I want to see. That these would not just be some nice stories we tell ourselves this time of year, but this would actually be an invitation for him to be Emmanuel to us right here today. And so we've been talking about you and I being like Mary and Joseph, making space in our homes, in our lives, for the Son of God in our midst. We've been talking about being like the shepherds who get interrupted in the middle of ordinary life and who leave everything to go worship at his feet. We've been talking about being like the wise men who make their singular priority coming to find this man. And so today I want to I wanna have you open your, your, your Bible to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. You'll see the, the verses here on the screen. We're going to talk about one of the lesser known Christmas stories here. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's a story about two, uh, two older people named Simeon and Anna. And uh, we'll pick up this story here in Luke 2.25. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents, this is Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow of 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At the very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. All right, so this is one of the more obscure stories of all the birth stories that we know. It usually gets neglected for shepherds in the fields watching their flocks by night and and wise men following the star. But what we see in this story is, is shortly after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus to the temple where they would perform rituals that were commanded in the law. And as they're there, they encounter these, these two elderly people who are very old. Simeon sees Jesus and he's like, I can die now. So we don't know how old he is. He was apparently like just barely holding on here. We have Anna, who it says is a widow of 84 years. Some translations say a widow for 84 years, which would mean she's at least well into her hundreds. We don't know. So these two people, they've been waiting. And today I want to tell you, here's my, here's my main idea. It's that Jesus is worth waiting for. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Literally, as I say the words to you, I'm like trying not to break out in hives. I am the kind of person that if somebody is driving the speed limit in front of me, I'm like, it's not enough, okay? We got to keep things moving. We have so many law enforcement officers here, and I have so many speeding tickets. It's an issue in my life. Pray for your boy, okay? He needs it. Pray for me, please. Waiting is not fun. And these two people who are very old have been waiting a very long time. And what they, what they found in the course of their waiting, Anna's there fasting and praying. Simeon's filled with the Spirit, has a prophetic word, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. And decades go by, and it feels like God's probably forgotten. Maybe I didn't hear that prophetic word. Maybe it wasn't accurate. Maybe he's not coming after all. Until the day when a young couple walks in with a baby. And you see, this, this waiting for Simeon and Anna was not just their waiting. If you've read the Old Testament, you know the people of God were waiting a very long time. There had not been a true prophet in Israel for 400 years. The last prophet was Malachi, the last book of your Old Testament. 400 years. The people of God were in exile for 600 years. That's when they got sent to Babylon. And even though a few of them came back to the land, they never again had their own king. They were always under different empires, Persia, Greece, and now Rome. 600 years, they were waiting. 700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah said that there will be a servant who is pierced for our transgressions, and by his stripes we'd be healed. 800 years before Simeon and Anna, the prophet Joel spoke about a day when there would be a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit on all of humanity. A thousand years before, God told King David that he would have a descendant who would rule over Israel and the world. Almost 2,000 years before, God told Abraham that his descendants would bless all the nations and all the families on the earth would be blessed. 
God told Adam and Eve, who knows how many thousands of years before, that there would be a seed of the woman that crushes the head of the serpent. To be honest with you, I struggle to believe things God told me last week. They're waiting thousands of years. It's funny, when you see the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, and then you open Genesis 4, it says Adam, Adam knew Eve, and they had a son, and they named him Cain. And Eve said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. The name Cain means gotten or acquired. And it's funny, you have this, this feeling when you read it that like, they think Cain is the one who's going to crush the head of the serpent. They think it's going to happen tomorrow. And if you know anything about Cain, you know he for sure didn't do that. You see, you're, you get these promises from God and you're like, it's going to happen tomorrow. Abraham, your descendants are going to bless nations. And then decades go by and him and his wife don't have any kids. And then he's 99 and God's like, hey man, remember that word I gave you? It's time. You see these promises to David. Your, your son's going to rule over Israel and the world. And Solomon is wildly messed up. And you see, we get these promises and we think it's going to happen here and it's going to happen there. And you see, it's, it's easy to be hopeful when you're young, when you first get that word, when you're just coming up, you know, you graduate high school or college, we're going to take on the world and then life hits and life hits hard. Life hits real hard. People stab you in the back, people you looked up to let you down. Your business falls apart, your marriage falls apart, your church falls apart, and it's like, what about the promises of God? Maybe God isn't who he said he was after all. Maybe God isn't really faithful to fulfill his promises. And what I love about Simeon and Anna is that they waited. They were experts at waiting in patient hope. They were experts at waiting in faithfulness, not because they knew that they were perfect or right or had it figured out, but because it didn't matter what everybody else said, there was a promise that was anchored in the character of God. And what God promises, he is faithful to fulfill. See, at some point, you've got, you've got to say, am I going to believe what everybody around me says? Am I going to believe what the news says? Am I going to believe the bad diagnosis that my doctor says? Am I going to believe what this person says or that person says? Or am I going to anchor myself in what God says? You see, hope doesn't just happen. It's easy when you're young, again, to have all of this hope, and then life happens, and you're like, man, the cynics were right. The skeptics were right. People are crazy. This person's crazy. My spouse is crazy. Don't elbow them, please. The people around me are crazy. They're not who I thought I, they should be. I'm not who I thought I should be, and, and let's just forget about these promises. You see, here's what the Bible says about hope. It says here in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 5 says this, and not only that, we boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. You see, the hope, hope doesn't just happen it comes from endurance and proven character. You want to find somebody with hope? Find a Simeon or an Anna who has walked with God through a few things. 
You want to find someone who has hope? Don't ask the new believer. Don't ask someone in their 30s or 40s. Find someone in their 80s and 90s and let them tell you about the faithfulness of God in their life. And they'll, they'll give you some hope. You see, you don't, you don't just get hope because you wake up with some generic optimism one day. You don't just get hope because you woke up on the right side of the bed and it's just a good day. If that's your hope, you're going to have about zero hope. But if your hope is rooted in something that's deeper and stronger than whatever else the world says, then you'll have something that lasts. You see, it looked like God had completely forgotten Israel. They're in exile for hundreds of years. And I'm, and I'm kind of a history nerd, so I'll read about, you know, the empires of Greece and Rome. And when you read that stuff, Jerusalem is just one of another hundred cities. It doesn't, it's not important at all. The real action is happening somewhere else. It's just some random corner of a bigger empire. There's nothing fancy going on there. They're just a footnote in the history books. God has moved on. The glory days are in the past. Their best days with God had already happened, except Simeon and Anna would not believe that lie. It looked like everything had passed. The glory days were long ago. God had moved on. God had probably found someone else until a young couple walks in with a baby. And Simeon and Anna were ready. And I want to say this prophetically here for a moment if I can. I believe that those of you who've been waiting for a long time, I believe that today is a day of fulfillment. I believe that from the bottom of my heart here, that some of you thought the promises of God, like like Abraham, like David, you thought they'd happen back in that season, back at that time, back with those people, and you've been waiting a really, really, really long time. And you've been waiting for the promises of God, wondering where he is, wondering if he's going to come, wondering how he's going to move. And I want to tell you this Advent series God has placed on my heart because I believe from, from the bottom of my heart that this isn't just a nice story we tell ourselves. This is an invitation for God in our midst. This is an invitation for Emmanuel to be in the room. I believe that today is a day of salvation. I believe that today is a day of fulfillment. I believe that the promises that God has spoken to some of you years and decades ago, God says, now's the time. You better get ready because I'm coming to move. I believe that the best days of your life are still ahead. I believe the best days of Jesus' church are still ahead. Why? Because I refuse to believe what the skeptics say. I refuse to believe what those around me say. And I have anchored myself in an unchanging promise because he's an unchanging God. Hebrews says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This isn't just try hard to believe like Simeon believed or try hard to believe like Anna believed. It's that you have the same God as Simeon and Anna. You have the same God of Abraham who was faithful to fulfill his promises. You have the same God of David. I love the story where uh, Elisha and Elijah are walking along. Elijah has this great ministry and he's about to pass his mantle on to his successor. And he says, if you see me when I'm taken up into heaven, you can have my mantle. 
So they're walking along, and they come to a river. And Elijah takes off his mantle, strikes the river, and the river parts. Goes up on the mountain, taken up. It's a whole beautiful story. When Elisha, by himself, comes back down the mountain, he's holding Elijah's mantle. And he comes to that same river. And you know what he says? He says, where is the God of Elijah? And he strikes the river, and it parts. Where is the God of Elijah? And you see what what God did yesterday. Thank God for it. Hallelujah. Praise God for the revivals of the past. Praise God for the great moves of the Spirit throughout church history. Thank God for what he did 10 years ago and 5 years ago. And thank God for what he did yesterday. But I want to know today, where is the God of Elijah? I want to see a fresh move right here, right now, because that's the kind of God that we serve. Yesterday, today, and forever, he's the same God. But you see, we don't, we don't, like, we don't like the waiting, and we, we want to doubt the promises of God. And I want to tell you, believe it. I know we, we live in a culture where everything's 100 miles an hour, and our lives are so fast-paced. We want to we wanna drive through Jesus that we can just pull through. He gives us what we want, how we want, without any forethought or preparation, and then we're good to go. We don't like waiting. We want Jesus on prime that gives us what we want in 24 hours. We want a we God who gives us the things that we want. We want to click a few buttons on our phone. We want to say a few words. We want to do a few nice things and expect that all the promises are just here in a moment. And sometimes it's not that way. But I believe right now in my spirit that those of you who've been waiting wearily, who've been waiting tired and burnt out and exhausted, I believe right now we are going to see a great renewal come and sweep through the church, sweep through our lives our families, our homes, and our neighborhoods. And I told you last week, this isn't about City Alive. I've been praying, God, let every church in this city be bursting with people. God, let an outpouring of your spirit come and sweep through every neighborhood, every community, that it be filled with the glory of God. I believe today is a day of fulfillment. I believe this season in your life that this is the season you've been waiting for. This is the season that those seeds that you sowed for generation after generation, the seeds that you sowed year after year in prayer and in fasting and crying out for the Lord to move. I believe he's coming, church. It says here about Anna in Luke 2.37. It says she did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. I pray that God releases an Anna anointing over this church. I know we want to come in, but we don't want it to cost us too much. We want to come in and receive all the benefits of the promises of God, but we don't want to have to to give up a few things. We don't want to have to lay anything on the altar. You know what David said? David said, I will not offer to God something that costs me nothing. You see, in our generation, we 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 want to step into the promise without the waiting. We want to step into the promise without the prayer and the fasting. What I believe is that God is inviting us right now, if we're willing, 
if we're willing to pay the price, if we're willing to lay ourselves down, if there's a few Simeons in the room who will say, I know I'll see God's salvation with my own eyes. If there's a few Annas in the room who'll say, if it takes prayer, if it takes fasting, if it takes being in the temple night and day, I just want to see him move. And I believe that, that right now what God is doing is God is raising up a Simeon generation, an Anna generation, who's not worried about what everybody else is saying, who's not worried about what the news is saying, because they have their eyes fixed on his eyes. Church, we're going to start praying. We're going to start fasting. And I know when we, when, we talk about, when we talk about miracles, it's like, oh, come on, hallelujah, we'll run around this room right now. Talk about fasting, and it's like, mm, I don't know about that. And listen, I get it. The last time I tried to do a week-long fast, three days in, I was like, I fail. I can't do it. I got to eat. And I did, to be clear. Fasting's terrible. It's awful. But what happens in prayer and fasting, I, I had to learn this in my life. I thought, I thought prayer and fasting was for the super strong Christians, but here's what I found. Prayer and fasting is for those who are weak enough to admit they need the presence of God. Prayer and fasting is not about, look at me, I'm a super strong Christian. Prayer and fasting is, God, I am nothing without you. And when you and I are ready to admit that we're at the end of ourselves, that's when God begins to come. See, that, this is what I found. We all say we're too busy to pray. We're not too busy to pray. We're too proud to pray. We're too independent to pray. We're too self-sufficient to pray. We're too self-reliant to pray because we want to trust our own effort, our own abilities, our own logic, our own ability to figure it out. And when you and I come to the end of ourselves and we get on our knees and we cry out to God in heaven, that's when we'll see the salvation of God with our own eyes. Church, I'm telling you, this is the hour of fulfillment. And again, I'm, I feel this in my heart prophetically from the Lord. This is a word of God to your life individually and to this church. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of fulfillment. Today is the day of deliverance and rescue and outpouring from the Holy Spirit. You know how I know that? Because the veil is torn. Atonement has been made. Sins have been forgiven. The enemy's been defeated. The powers of darkness have been overthrown by Christ the King. And I feel like in my heart, some of you, you've been waiting. You've been disappointed. You feel like you're Israel waiting 800 years for something. I get it. And you thought it was that season with those people in that place at that time and everything fell apart and you're like, man, where is the promise of God? And I want to tell you, if you will humble yourself and fix your eyes on him, today's your day.
I'm so excited for where God's leading this church. I can't wait to tell you some stuff that's coming in the new year for some new ministries and some plans that we have for our building. And I'm, I'm so excited. But what I'm really excited about is that God is stirring something on the inside of me. And it's not about the programs and it's not about the buildings. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the events. It's about God in our midst. It's about Emmanuel, God with us, that he's here, he's coming, he's moving, and today's the day. Don't miss it. We can miss it, to be clear. The generation that came out of Egypt was not the generation that went into the promised land. Unbelief, Hebrews says, unbelief kept them from the promise. And today I want to give you hope. I want to tell you he's faithful. I want to tell you he's worthy. I know, I know you get that promise about blessing nations and then you got to wait till you're 99 to have one kid. I get it. I know God told you your descendant would crush the head of the serpent and it seems like, where's that? How's that going to happen? And I know it feels like when you get the promise, it happens tomorrow and you've been waiting years, some of you decades, but I feel like today's the day. I feel like this Advent season is the season. This moment we're stepping into as a church, it's the moment that God has for your life.